When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We've got drama in the NBA, the draft coming up on Thursday afternoon, Thursday evening. We'll get to that in just a minute. We've got drama in the NFL with the Washington Commanders and Daniel Snyder, shockingly. And, of course, we've got drama with the Live Tour and the PGA Tour going head-to-head again. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, of course, presented by Progressive Insurance, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. My name is Braden Gall. His name is Matt Jones. We are in for the guys today. Great to have you guys with us. And, yeah, just drama everywhere. The NBA draft, slightly more entertaining and more enjoyable drama than all the other drama, Matt. But, of course, the, the golf issue, issues here. Brooks Kepka joins the Live Tour along with Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson, uh, Abraham Answer. you got uh, Bryson DeChambeau, Patrick Reed, a variety, eight, eight I think, of the top 50 on the world golf rankings are now have now joined the live golf tournament, which is of course this no cut. If you don't, I can't, if you, I guess if you lived under a rock for the last six or eight months, this is a no cut money backed league that is just pulling players, peeling people off the PGA tour. And the response right now, Matt has been that the PGA tour is going to take the, the, the model where they have 54 hole weekend, no cut, huge paydays, and maybe implement that into their own tour to keep these PGA golfers from leaving and going and playing for this other tour. It's just drama everywhere. I guess the golfers are the ones who win here in this because you and me as a fan trying to watch tournaments, I don't like that my golfers are split across the world now playing in these different tournaments, much less the the moral arguments that are many, of course, about the Live Tour. Yeah, I actually think that is the one point that gets talked about the least, which is the effect on the fans. I mean, everybody sort of talks about it. Will the PGA Tour survive? They will. They have the history and they have a lot going on. The Live Tour will survive as long as they're okay losing a ton of money, which I think they probably are for the foreseeable future. It's, but sort, I do of think po- it, it's sort of the point of the tour. <laughs> but I do think it really hurts fans because, yep. look, I'm a golfer. I love to play golf, but golf's boring. So, like, the only thing that makes golf interesting is the competition. Like, it's, it's seeing great guys go against each other, and if you split these guys up, that hurts. Now, at this moment, it doesn't. It's still, I'd rather watch a PGA Tour tournament. I mean, I think there are two guys, maybe three right now on the Live Tour, who really would go on the PGA Tour any given week and have a chance to win. Dustin Johnson, Brooks, and Abraham Answer. But even Brooks hasn't been Brooks in a long time. So probably Dustin Johnson and Abraham Answer. But does anybody know who Abraham Answer is? He could walk down the street with shirts shirt that says, I'm Abraham Answer. Nobody's going to know who that is. So <laughs> it's really Dustin Johnson that matters. What I think is interesting is how the next year or so develops. I don't think there's going to be many more players go. There'll be a handful, but I don't think there's going to be a lot. If you were going to sell out at this point, Braden, you would have sold out. I think it's. I think it kind of is who it is right now. Plus, they don't have that many more spots. But no one's se- offered me the hundred million yet, Matt. Have yeah, well, yet. I don't think they're going to get you. But the nope, second nope. thing I want to know is: a, do they get a television contract? I think they will. But I think they – I'm sure they could get one now. But they're trying to get a big network. I don't think a big network is going to give them one. So they're going to sign with some small cable network trying to make a splash. B, the second thing, and this is the most important, 
to the World Golf Rankings, do the Masters, U.S. Open, British Open, and PGA adjust their qualification standards to allow live tour events to, to count? Right now, they don't. So these guys are still eligible for the Masters, the U.S. Open, the British Open, the PGA. But, Braden, they're eligible based on what they did on the PGA Tour. Right. Starting next year, for many of them, that eligibility will go away. Why, why so the, under, why under so the question is, will, they, will the majors do that? I don't think they will. And that is because U.S. Open chief, he just said, right now we think there's a good chance we won't count those events. If they don't, then these guys will no longer be eligible for the majors unless they won one, and that's not many of them. Well, the, the, the re, like, why on earth would the PGA Tour – who just didn't allow – well, okay, I shouldn't say that. Uh, <laughs> this was the Michael Jordan didn't play basketball for a couple of years. Phil Mickelson doesn't get to defend his PGA championship title at 50 years old. Well, he could have. He chose not to. And, and he, quote, unquote, I'm going to go air quotes, chose not to. I, listen, this is – there is no – like the penalty from the PGA Tour is going to be excommunication from these events. But they, the PGA they, Tour doesn't control the majors. The, the four majors are controlled true. by individual golf associations. But I think – what, what you're hearing, this is the next battle. Do the Masters, U.S. Open, British Open, and PGA start allowing these guys to qualify based on live tour events? I think they're going to say no. Yeah, and I if agree. they don't, then all of a sudden, <clears throat> like take the Masters. as If they don't allow these guys to qualify based on live tour events, then next year at the Masters, Dustin Johnson might be the only one eligible. And Patrick Reed, because he won. Well, and Phil, Phil. Yeah. And Phil, Phil will come back. So three, get to the U.S. Open. Brooks will be eligible, maybe a couple others, but a lot of them won't play. And so then if you're a young guy, the key is the young guys to me. The old guys are old. Who cares? The young guys. If you're coming out of college and they offer you $5 million, will mm. you take it and know that for the rest of your career you'll never get to play in a major? Yeah. That's the tough question for these guys. I don't think they'll do it. Well, and what I find interesting, too, is is just, like, part of what makes major championship golf fun on Sundays is when, especially on this particular Sunday last weekend, when you look at the leaderboard, and I know John Rahm, you know, he, he kind of wet the bed on Sunday and he flew down the board. and But at one point you had Rory McIlroy, John Rahm, Scott Scheffler, Will Zalatoris, and, and Matt Fitzpatrick all in the top six in order. And, and Matsuyama made a big run and, like, you, you had this top eight, top ten leaderboard that was spectacular, and that is why you tune in to watch the end of a major event like that. And if all of a sudden you, you are splitting my interest as a fan, I'm not going to find both of these tournaments on offsetting weekends and track all the different events. It's just not going to happen as a golf fan. To your point, I love playing the game, but I'm only watching six to eight weekends a year, and that includes probably the Ryder Cup and maybe TPC Sawgrass or whatever. So th- there's if you start splitting these – these groups of guys, and, and Answer's a young, talented guy. I think, although I think DeChambeau's the only one under 30 that's gone so far. To your point about a Well, there's been star. a lot of young guys go, but they're guys that are amateurs. Right, right. So that they got like five or six of the, uh, the young kind of hot amateurs. I just think the real decisions on all this stuff are going to happen sort of under the radar. Like I said, I would be yep. surprised if more than a couple more guys join. I think if you were going to join, you did it by now. I think what's going to be interesting is, do they get world golf rankings points? Is it going to be the case that all these guys are going to drop out of the world golf rankings because they're not getting any points? 
Do they get to qualify for the majors? Qualify. Like, people are talking about them being eligible. They're eligible, but can they qualify? That's going to be a whole nother thing. And then third, the money's going to continue. But does a major TV network get them? Some TV network will put them on. But will one of the ones that people care about put them on? I don't think they will. All of those things will make it more difficult for it to succeed. Interesting you bring up TV contract. Matt Jones, Braden Gall, in for Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio. Freddie Coleman uh, had some interesting thoughts about Live Golf Series uh, eventual success or failure and how it is potentially tied directly to a real, real television contract. That's the difference with the Live Golf Series. They have gotten some players, but they're not getting the guys that you really, really need that can really take your sport. And without a television contract, at a certain point, their shelf life is going to get smaller and smaller when it comes to the Live Golf Series. Right now, all their events are on YouTube. And in 21st century viewing, that can work for a little bit. Right. But not everybody that watches golf is going to watch 21st century. Liv is trying to play the long game that younger people are going to tune in. Good luck with that. Younger yeah. people watch YouTube like they take aspirin and right. doses. It's, it's 90 seconds. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah. golf is not 90 seconds. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. That's Freddie YouTube, Coleman from Freddie yeah, and Fitzsimmons. Yeah, nobody cares about YouTube golf. I mean, at their peak – they had 60,000 people watching at their peak. I think I saw they averaged like 23,000. There are people who stream their kids opening presents that get more than that. And I'm not even joking by, with that. So I don't think that's a big deal. They got to get on TV and they got to get on a good TV station. They can't just be on Fox Nation. Like they've got to be on CBS, ABC, NBC, ESPN. They got to be on one of those or Golf Channel, and I don't think they will. And well, so if they're not, yeah. it's not as big a deal. What's crazy about this, the dollar figure and the runway for the Live Golf Series is, again, $100 million sounds like a lot of money to almost every single human being listening to my voice right now, and to me and to you. Um, and it was a lot for Dustin Johnson. But it's not a lot for the Saudi Wealth Fund, which is $600 billion. They could pay – they, they've got a long shelf life and a long runway if, to your point, they're okay losing money like this. This is why the PGA Tour is acting, and there are, there are reports right now that, that, that behind the scenes the PGA Tour is working to basically copy the model of the Live Golf Series to, to then deliver to their own tour golfers to keep them happier and at home. I don't know if this amounts to a collective bargaining agreement or an unofficial collective bargaining agreement, but that's sort of how it feels. Well, they and can't do that. They, right. they, they can't turn them into employees. They, that won't work. But if they do what they're saying and have this eight-tournament series, I think it will stop any more Bingo. big stars from leaving. And, again, it's, it's as much as PGA Tour golf can be collectively bargained, right? Like, it's not actually, but that's what they're trying to do is the players are trying to get more from the PGA Tour. The PGA Tour is saying, all right, let's talk about it. And they've been more active in the last 24 to 48 hours, according to reports, than they have been in a long, long time. And I think that could be the end of the Live Tour as well. Matt Jones, Braden Gall in for Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. How does the top of this year's NBA draft rank in the last decade? We'll break it down next. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle 
and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. One day away from the NBA Draft 2022 edition. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Of course, brought to you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. My name is Braden Gall. His name is Matt Jones. In for the guys today on this lovely Wednesday afternoon. The NBA Draft coming up tomorrow, 8 p.m. Coverage, of course, begins on ESPN Radio at 7 p.m. Eastern time and Matt I don't know about you I I look at this draft and I look at you know I'm watching the the mock draft special last night all over ESPN and I'm and I'm studying this this big board and I'm seeing guys in that seven eight nine ten eleven range that I feel like would be top five potential type of picks in in other drafts Jabari Smith Chet Holmgren of course we know the top of this draft Paolo Banchero Jaden Ivey do you see more depth, more star power, more franchise guys at the top of this draft than you've seen in years past? Is that is that how you're seeing this this top ten? Uh, I think there are there is. It just depends on how you look at it. I don't think there's a slam dunk. I would bet everything I had. This person's going to be a star guy in this draft. So there's no Anthony Davis. There's no Carl Towns. There's no Zion Williamson. Right. So there's not that. I do, however, think that there are three guys who have a potential to be maybe four, who have a potential to be the best player on a team that's got a shot to win a title, and that's if they hit their peak, right? And then I think there are 11 guys that I could see being an all-star if everything worked out. Now, of course, they're not all going to be an all-star. As a matter of fact, most of them won't. But there's 11 guys. I think you look at the first 11 guys in the draft. To me, that's where it takes – there are two tiers – Tier one for me is number one, two, and three. And then if you really like Jade and Ivy, you make it four. And then tier two's down to 11. Starting with Keegan Murray down to 11, like Shaden Sharp, Johnny Davis, or Jalen Duran. That to me is kind of the tier. But I do think if you are the Knicks at 11, San Antonio at nine, the Wizards at 10, Pelicans at eight, if it works out, you have a chance to have come away with the best player in the draft right? depending on what happens. And that is the kind of thing that makes it exciting is if I'm one of the fans of the top 11 teams, you can walk away and say we have at least a shot to have an all-star in this draft. Normally you probably don't go 11 deep feeling that way. I, I tend to agree with you on this. I, I would add – I would add Jaden Ivey to that top tier. A lot of John Morant to his game. I don't think he's as explosive and as athletic as John Morant, but he's pretty damn good. So I'd put him on that top tier where I feel like all four of those guys, very high floor. To your point, is one of those guys LeBron, one of those guys Anthony Davis? Of course not. But I do think all four of those guys have very high floors. If you had to pick a bust out of those four, do you have a name? Of those four, that's the well, most. Well, the, the, the one, I think the one with the highest ceiling and the best chance of a bust is Chet. 
right? Like, I think he's got, if you're going to ask me, if all of these players reach their peak, who's the best? I would say Chet. Of all of them, if, he, if they were to reach their peak. If you were saying to me, all of them reach their floor, the worst version of themselves, who's the worst? I'll say Chet, right? Like, so I think with Chet, you're, you're taking the biggest swing. I think Paolo is the opposite. I think if all of them reach their peak, he's the one with the with the shortest ceiling. Yeah, yeah. But it's also it's hard for me to see him failing. I don't think he's going to be a bust. So it all depends on what you want. I think the second pick, which is which is Oklahoma City, is actually an easier pick than the first. Paolo goes three, Jay Navi goes four. But whether or not you take Jabari or Chet, I think depends on are you a risk taker or not. Right? Do you want to? Right. You want to roll the dice because if you're just taking the guy who has the best chance to be a superstar, you're going to take Chet. I think Orlando will say, eh, "I don't want that risk," and they end up taking Jabari. Yeah, it's interesting. And then I think you look down five through, like you said, I, I agree with you. With with you know, latest mock has Jalen Durant Duran going number eleven to the Knicks, a center out of Memphis. I think everybody above him has got a chance to be a hell of a player in this league. We'll take Shane Sharp. Okay, Shane That's what Sharp I'm saying. Was, yeah, exactly. Shane Sharp is at Kentucky. There's a chance Shaden Sharp is not good, and we never hear from him again. There's also a chance he's the best player in the draft. I mean, there is. There's a chance. Now, he hasn't played basketball in a year and a half. He didn't play at Kentucky. He didn't play for Team Canada. He didn't play for his high school. So it's easy to look at it and go, I can't pick that kid. But when he played before that, he was the number one player in his class, and he was as good as anyone in this draft. So do you want to give it a shot? You want to roll the dice? Because yeah. with him, he could be the best player in the draft, or he might play three years and you never hear from him again. And that is one of those things. You don't get a lot of those in the draft. Had he played at Kentucky, we'd know how good he is. But he didn't, and that makes it very difficult for these NBA teams, but it also makes him intriguing. We, we've mentioned Keegan Murray. Dyson Daniels has a lot of, of a high floor as well with his defensive ability and range. He can play off the ball if they need him to in, in that situation. Portland, of course, in the, in the latest draft, mock draft has him going at number seven. I'm with you on Sharp, man. This is not football. Football, number one players in the nation as recruits. Football, those guys miss all the time. Basketball, when's the last time a true number one overall player in a, in a recruiting class didn't have some sort of NBA talent? I'm watching Minnesota <laughs> during the tournament or during the NBA playoffs, and they've got – Carl Anthony Towns, you got Michael Beasley, you got uh, the kid out of D'Angelo Russell. These are all like number one player in the nation type of good recruits. And I, I'm with you on Sharp. I think Sharp could be the top three player in this draft. And you could get him, San Antonio could get him at nine. In the last three drafts, or in the last ten drafts, there were three guys that I knew, absent injury, were going to be great players. Anthony Davis, Carl Towns, Zion Williams. This draft doesn't have that. But the depth of it in the lottery yeah. – I think is unique and to me will make it a very intriguing draft. Completely agree. Matt Jones, Braden Gall, of course, coverage begins on ESPN Radio 7 p.m. on Thursday evening. NBA Draft live at 8 p.m. starting on Thursday evening. Which team has the best chance to turn into a contender based on what happens tomorrow night in the NBA Draft? We'll ask NBA Draft analyst next. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, 
Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. and Carlin here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. His name is Matt Jones. My name is Braden Gall. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Joining us now, ESPN NBA Draft Analyst, Jonathan Gavoni, and of course, Jonathan, the draft coming up tomorrow night. We were just talking about the decision at number one for Orlando, maybe being the toughest of any of those teams in the top four or five. Jabari Smith, the latest mock, of course, going number one. Chet Holgram at number two. Why is Jabari Smith the pick, and how much debate do you think Orlando's having right now behind closed doors? I would assume that they have already made this decision. Yeah, you know, I mean, they're they're picking up every rock and making sure that they gather any 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 loose threads but I, I would be very surprised if they didn't already know who they're taking and why is it Jabari Smith it's because they think he's the best player in the draft I mean that's uh it, and there's a very strong argument to be made that he is he's six foot ten shoots 42 percent for three he's the youngest player of the three He's an extremely versatile defender. He ticks every box you look for from a character and a competitive standpoint. And, uh, you know, he had a historic season uh, playing, uh, you know, extremely difficult competition in the SEC. And, you know, Auburn was ranked number one for much of the season, and he played a big role in that. So there is a lot to be said for Jabari Smith, and I would not fault the Orlando Magic one bit if they made him the number one pick in the draft tomorrow night. All right, so, Jonathan, let me ask you kind of a floor-ceiling question. Let's say that the top five guys, because I think the I think top four are kind of ahead of everybody else, but some people really like Keegan Murray. But let's say the top five guys all were to reach their ceiling. They all were to become the absolute best versions of themselves. Between Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, Paolo Benchero, Keegan, Ivey, or excuse me, Keegan Murray, and Jay Nivey, Rank for me, if they all become the best versions of themselves, in your mind, the players. I would say then it would be Chet Holmgren, Jaden Ivey, Paolo Bancaro, Jabari Smith, Keegan Murray. I really, I think that's actually – I might flip Jabari and Paolo, but I really like that list. Why do you have on that list Chet and Jaden 1-2? I just think what Chet can become, seven foot one, seven foot six wingspan, defensive perennial defensive player of the year candidate who can dribble, pass, and shoot. I mean, that's you know that's what everybody's looking for in the NBA. I mean, that's a that's a franchise player, and that's just it's such a unique prospect that almost we've never really seen and. Um, so I, I just I think that's just scary, you know. I mean, uh, all these guys are are super talented, but Chet at at his best is just absolutely frightening for the rest of the NBA. Jonathan Gavoni joining us here, ESPN NBA draft analyst on ESPN Radio, Canty and Carlin, Matt Jones and Braden Gall in for the guys. And Jaden Ivey, you know, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of John Morant comps, of course, with the speed and the athleticism. I don't think anybody sort of matches Morant's raw athleticism, but you just had him at at number two if he reaches his ceiling. I think he's on that top tier, and Sacramento has a big decision to make at number four. Is it pretty, is it pretty clear that he's closer to those top three, in your opinion? It's pretty clear to me, but I'm not sure which direction they're going to go. You know, they, they drafted point guards in, in 
in the last several drafts, and they've got two of them on their roster already with De'Aaron Fox and Davion Mitchell. And so, you know, you look at their roster and you say, you know, probably Keegan Murray is the best fit. He's, you know, that very versatile foreman who can, you know, play as a jumbo three, can move to the small ball five position. He's a very good shooter. He's a versatile defender. That, you know, he fits now probably better than Jay Ivey. To me, like, you know, if you look back at mistakes that were made in the NBA draft over the last 5, 10, 20 years, it's when teams prioritize fit over star power, over guys, over our talent. And then the, the NBA draft is it's all about talent. You know, you want to have the best guy five years from now. I mean, because rosters change, you make trades, you sign free agents. There's so many things that can happen between now and Three years from now, I want to have the best player in the draft. You know, but that's easy for me to say. I mean, I, I'm a, I work for ESPN. You know, I'm not sitting there in a the front office. You know, the Sacramento Kings haven't made the NBA playoffs in 16 years. They've changed 12 head coaches in that spin. They want to end that streak as soon as possible. And probably, you know, Keegan Murray gets them there a little bit sooner. Let me ask you a question. I always like to see, because this happens about, you know, one out of every two or three drafts, a guy picked – fifth through 14th or 15th in the end ends up being the best player in the draft. I think there's a number of candidates for that in this one. Who's the guy? And again, we're talking if they hit their ceiling, who, if they hit their ceiling, you think would have the best chance to in a decade surprise us and end up being the best player in the draft picked in that area. It's pretty clear to me that it's Shaden Sharp. I mean, who's not looking for a six foot six wing with a seven foot wingspan, 40 inch plus vertical, who can make any shot on the planet and also has shown some, you know, increasing flashes of ball handling and passing ability. I mean, that's tantalizing. I mean, that's what the NBA game is all about. Everybody's looking for the next Bradley Beal, for the next. Devin Booker, you know, even if he's a Zach Levine type, you know, I mean, that's still incredibly valuable. And so that's the guy that, you know, if I'm sitting there six, seven, eight, you know, I'm not, it's a, it's, it's very hard for me to pass on that player, but you know, there's a lot of unknowns about him. And, and the problem with, you know, NBA draft scouting is that people are really only looking ahead, you know, the next three to six months. And so when when Shaden Sharp was tearing up the Nike EYBL, when he was establishing himself as the best player in high school basketball, none of those guys were there. You know, it was a week before the, the 2021 NBA draft, and I understand why they weren't there, you know, but it's, it's hard for them now because they didn't see it with their own eyes. You know, they went to a couple of practices in Kentucky and uh, you know, you can only glean so much from that. And so that's why Shaden Sharp is probably going to end up going seven through 10, but I think he's got a chance to be the best player in the draft. Ultimately. Do you care? I mean, I'm, I'm obviously here in Kentucky and it's, he's been a huge conversation on my show every single day since he got here. Do you care that he didn't play for Kentucky or for the Canadian national team, or do you not think that matters in the long run, or does it say something? I mean, I, I, opinions seem to be mixed on that. I really don't because I think players need to do what's best for them, and he it's going to work out great for him. He's going to be a top-ten pick, and so I can't fault him for that. And I think that, you know, had Kentucky went to him and said, Hidden, we're going to put you in the starting lineup, we're going to and we're going to give you 25 minutes a game, 
I think that that would have been a lot more attractive to him than what was proposed, which is come and be, you know, play five or ten minutes a game and we'll see what happens because, you know, we've got all these older guys that we convinced to come here and the transfer portal and all that. We made all these assurances to people. And it's, you know, I understand the loyalty that, you know, the coaching staff has to those guys because it's hard to take a 24-year-old guy and sit him on the bench and say, hey, we're giving your minutes to an 18-year-old instead because it, that, gives, that increases our chances of winning a national championship. And so they didn't want to do that, and that's why Shannon Sharp didn't end up playing for them. Jonathan Gavoni joining us here, ESPN NBA draft analyst. And Oklahoma City's got 19 first-round picks, which is just an incredible statement to just say out loud. Uh, over the next seven years, they've got number two and number 12 this year and a few others. Do you expect them to be pretty active and big players tomorrow night, or are they planning for something bigger maybe next year? I think they're definitely – have been very active um, all week long here, you know, making overtures to all the teams in the lottery, seeing what's out there, seeing what they can, what they can get done. You know, the problem is that it's, it's hard. The reason why trades don't get done in the lottery is because these gyms, they, they spent so much time researching this draft, uh, you know, watching these guys work out, you know, studying their metrics, their athletic testing, interviewing them, looking at medicals, Intel reports, all that stuff. They fall in love with the, with the group, and they and they you know they think if I can draft, uh, I can be the guy that finds the next uh, Devin Booker or Giannis, you know. And so that's why you don't see a lot of trades get done in the lottery. And you know, for Oklahoma City, it doesn't make sense to 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 make a trade along the margins and go get a role player. And they need stars. And so I just don't know. It's I don't know if anybody's going to be looking to trade those top ten picks when it's all said and done unless it's for some very established players. And Oklahoma City, they're not going to do Josh Giddey or Shea Gilders-Alexander. I mean, that's their core. And so that's where they're going to run into issues. You know, like, you know, a lot of these teams in the top ten, you know, two or three future first-rounders, that doesn't do a lot for them right now. Real quick, after, say, pick 13, bottom half of the first round, best sleeper, the guy you would say, if I could really take a chance – I, Jonathan, am taking this guy. Khalifa Jop, seven-footer from Grand Canaria, uh, from Senegal. One of the hardest-playing, toughest, most defensively versatile players in this draft. Just had a phenomenal showing in the ACB playoffs in Spain against Barcelona. Uh, You know, he's on an upward trajectory. He's 20 years old. He's really impressing people in workouts here. I think ultimately he's probably going to end up in the 30s because you know his numbers don't really pop the way that some of these college guys do. But I think when you do a redraft five years from now, he's going to be a guy that you know should have gone in the top 15, top 20 picks of this draft. Jonathan Gavoni, ESPN NBA analyst at Draft Express on the Twitter machine. Jonathan, thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Jonathan joining us here on ESPN Radio. Matt Jones, Braden Gall. Of course, coverage beginning on ESPN Radio, 7 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday. That's tomorrow. And, of course, the draft begins at 8 o'clock. You just asked him about Shaden Sharp opting out of the season. We talk about this with college football players opting out of bowl games. Of course, Kyrie Irving has a big decision coming up as well. I want to ask you about that next. How does the situation in, in Brooklyn resolve itself? And what do we think about Shaden Sharp opting out? We'll examine all of that next. It's Canty and Carlin with Braden Gall and Matt Jones on ESPN Radio. 
Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Joey Otani Angels situation is a fascinating one to monitor here over the next year. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio. And when we really look at this from an Angels standpoint, just look at what has happened with their organization really since they won the World Series in 2002. They have basically been a non-factor ever since and especially over the last 10 to 12 years with the amount of money that they have spent and have gotten zero return on it in terms of results in winning they have the best player in the game and Mike Trout who doesn't necessarily want to be marketed they went out and spent money. I mean, everybody forgets how much money they gave Anthony Rendon a two ton years ago. Of money. They gave him two hundred and forty million dollars a couple of years ago. Chris, think about all that they have done, and now they are going to be faced with a situation with Shohei Otani after the twenty twenty three season when he's a free agent, when you could be looking at four hundred million dollars for Otani without blinking. That's a lot of money to be paying a player, $400 million, Carlin. But, I mean, it's a situation now where you've already got a guy that you're paying $400 million on your payroll in Mike Trout, and you're not getting a lot of return on that investment. When's the last time we talked about the Angels as a serious contender? Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a long time. And so I don't know that Artie Moreno is willing to go down that road. And so if you're not going to pony up and pay Shohei Otani what the market could potentially be for him, then you got to look to move him sooner rather than later because the sooner you move him with more years on his contract, the better return you're going to get in terms of being able to rebuild your team. Now, you can't move him at the trade deadline this year. No. You, you have to give your team an opportunity all year long this year to really contend with him and try to find their way back into what is, frankly, a terrible division. Yeah, but you got another year of team control, so maybe you yes. move him in the offseason – and you let whatever team that you move him to work out the contract portion of it. But, yeah, I think that has to be the thought process for the Angels because there are going to be no shortage of suitors for Shohei Otani if they make him available. Just think about how badly that's been mismanaged. It just you, you, It's not the Trout money, okay, that even bothers me. It's the Rendon money, and that's going to keep you from keeping potentially the best player in the sport when healthy and the most marketable player that's out there in Shohei Otani. That's nuts. Yeah, but here's the thing. It does give you the flexibility to go out and try to make a run at a guy like Aaron Judge if him and the Yankees can't come to an agreement on a long-term deal. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. 
More Kyrie Irving drama coming up in just a minute. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Of course, ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. His name is Matt Jones. My name is Braden Gall in for the guys hanging out with you. I, I want to get, you know, you said you've talked a lot about this. Shaden Sharp could be the best player in the NBA draft tomorrow evening. Did not play at Kentucky this past season, you know, reclassified the age group thing. He finds out he can be drafted and decides not to play. What, do you have a problem? I know plenty of fans probably have a problem with him not playing for Kentucky. We go through this with sort of bowl games on a much lesser, smaller scale all the time with players opting out of bowl games. doesn't seem to hurt their draft stock at all. But what about a player who opts out of an entire season? What's your answer to that question? In, well, in I, mean, I don't of- have a problem with it. Look, we all only get one life, so kids need to do what they, what they want to do. I don't think – I always say players, especially college athletes, they don't owe anybody anything, so they should do what's right for them. I – would I, I, I do think, though, there's a sense in which most players I know, especially the ones that are great, are, are competitive, right? Like, they want to compete. Yeah. That's what makes them great. You know, it's not about the – like, LeBron is great not because he makes a gajillion dollars. It's because he wants to compete. He wants to beat you. That's what, that's what matters. So, I do wonder, you know, the kid had a chance to play for Team Canada, chose not to. He had a chance to play for Kentucky on a team that people thought could win the national championship – and he chose not to. That does make me wonder about his desire to compete. Now, Jonathan said something interesting. He said that John Calipari had told him that he was only going to play five to ten minutes a game. Okay, I'd never heard that before. If that's true, and I have no reason to think it's not, then that may change the calculus a little bit. But I'm just saying if I'm a a GM, you know, they're investing so much in these kids. There's a part of me that would want to have a good answer for why he didn't play, and if it yeah. satisfied me, then I'd go ahead and pick him. But I don't think he owes Kentucky anything. I don't think he owes Team Canada right. anything. Kids got to do what's best for them, and if that's what he chose, we'll find out if it was the right choice. Yeah, and I say this about bowl game participation as well. Like, I'm sorry, you have the right to make your own choice about your own financial future and whatever you think is best for you and your family. That's, that's called America. You get to do that. And, and certainly we get to all have our opinions and bloviate about it. But what, what is the answer you'd want to hear? If, if you're the GM and you ask him, hey, wh- why, why choose not to do this? The obvious is oh, I'm protecting my body. I, you know, I'm trying to be healthy. And, yeah, but I don't want that. Prepared. If I'm a GM, right. I don't want to hear that. So what's the, what, do, what, what would satisfy you if you're I think a GM? if he said exactly, you know what? If what Jonathan said is correct and he says, look, they only told me I was only going to play five minutes a game. I didn't feel like it was worth it. Okay, maybe I would understand that. That would be something that would – but I'd want to know an answer. He told the media in a, in a press conference, he told the media, look, it worked out. I'm going to be a high draft pick. Well, that's not a great explanation, just that it worked out. You know, so we'll see. I, I respect the kid. A lot of Kentucky fans do not. <laughs> they do not want him to succeed. I do. I want the kid to reach his dreams. I think he's got a chance to be a super talent. But I do think the one thing that's hard to quantify, Braden, especially in basketball, you got to love the game. Tell me a great athlete who's not loved the game and love competing. Find me one. I don't think there is one. Now, does this kid love the game and love competing? I don't know him well enough to say he doesn't, but I'd want to make sure I believe that because it's just hard for me to see how your country says play for my team. You go to college and you're on a team that can win a national championship and both times you say you're not going to play, just odd to me. 
still could be better for your game to play those five or ten minutes each night, right? Could be. Like you, you could, could be. You could still develop. Now, you could get hurt. That's the other side of the equation. But, again, it's fascinating to watch because if he's good and if he hits his marks, he could be the best player in this draft talent-wise, number one recruit in the nation. And if not – well, maybe these are some of the answers we're talking about here. So we'll find out. Uh, Canty and Carlin here. Should the Nets consider a full rebuild if Kyrie opts out? That is next here on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app.